I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today, this is where we normally say really weird things. Like we start out with a it's plan. Incredibly funny. And then we end up talking about dinosaur erotica. Um, we're going to try to flash back to last week today. We're going to curb it. Yeah. We're going to reel it in. Uh, because obviously there's a lot going on in the world today and, and we have been worrying about the independent businesses and our friends who were involved. So we've called, uh, several different people. We have the owner of a independent coffee shop, a clothing store. Um, we have an independent yoga teacher and also restaurant um, just food and yeah. yeah, food and Bev. So yeah, we were curious over the last couple of weeks as like all of you, we've been quarantining and we've been hearing so much about the impact on small businesses. And we just, it brought up so many questions like, well, what kind of, you know, resources do they have in the bank to get through times like this? Like what does their bottom line look like? Like how, how can they survive for a month if they shut things down? Just, we just want to know what's really, really happening to so many of the small businesses we love. So we thought we'd go directly to the source. And as a side note, for those of you living in Northern California, I've noticed this thing that's happening at 8 p.m. in Northern California where everyone's howling. It's, it's they're, they're, they're being like Italy, except instead of singing, they're howling. They're howling. And it's a really amazing. A couple of friends have posted videos online and you just hear the sea of howls. So I kind of feel like Cookie Monsters, perhaps 8 p.m., wherever your 8 p.m. is, you all open a box of cookies or maybe you made some fresh cookies and you I, open I, up the oven to some and if we're lucky enough to PM, be able to do something like that we all dunk 8 p.m so open up your windows and hear the sound of a cookie dunking into Crunch. oat milk no a chewy cookie <laughs> you said that you weren't going to be incredibly funny Catherine. It's, it's not the episode for that humor is always important all right but let's let's um let's chat with some of these folks so we can get the answers to I'm assuming questions that a lot of our listeners have had as well. We are joined for the second time on Free Cookies by one of my best friends and one of the best yoga teachers in the world, Gina Caputo. Hi, Gina. Hey. Hey, hey. Uh, Gina, we just really wanted to talk to you and get the perspective of of a yoga teacher who travels for a living, also someone who's owned studios before you know, what this pandemic is doing for your career. That sounds like well, it's helping it's, your career. That's definitely not the right yeah, setup. What's you it know, doing for you? Huh? It How's it helping you? you? <laughs> I'll tell you first and foremost is it's uh, putting my practice to the test in an all yeah. new way. And I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, this is a great time to assess how, how much further than skin deep your practice goes, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm taking refuge in, in the, what I would call the deeper dimensions of the practice, you know, uh, or I'm so grateful that I have a daily meditation practice because it's letting me track on a moment by moment basis, how I'm feeling, what's arising. And I can just be more proactive, you know? So like, if I notice just out of nowhere, I'm feeling panic. I have this ability now to be like, hmm, I, I am witnessing panic arising. Interesting. And then I can just take some measures sooner than later to, to do something with that. Um, so that that's on a personal level. But uh, professionally, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like it's, I, I have to have a sense of humor about it. Just before we hopped on here, I got another a gig cancellation. And so I, I, I did the very practical thing of writing, creating a spreadsheet 
and and I'm looking at my uh, financial t- 2020 forecast, <laughs> and oh my god, it's like I hope I like ramen. <laughs> <laughs> One ball um, wonder. It's called I know ramen. Yeah, ramen. <laughs> Here's a new ramen. <laughs> yeah. My my Wumble Wonders are going to be called all ramen based, um, but uh, so so you know it's not like it's so much a laughing matter. But if I don't keep a sense of humor about it, then I'm going to get stuck in panic mode. And so you know, to your point of this helping me, it it was a, a kick in the a double s. You know, it was a kick in the butt to 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 okay. Now I want to be of service, and I'm going to have to take that into a place that I. I don't have the most fun. I have the most fun in person. Yeah. But, you know, being on camera and, you know, we've talked about this before. It, it's it, it's not where I feel my strongest, you know, because I let little things get in the way of just being myself. And so this has been a real kick to like, OK, you can stop worrying about that now and and get out there. So it's been great in that regard to focus on the service at a time when I think people are in greater need than usual. And in terms of service, you've been doing, you're doing daily Instagram lives. Is that correct? Yeah. And I've never done that before because I thought, Oh gee, you know, who would really want to listen to me? <laughs> and cause they feel like miniature talk shows, you know, and I'm like, I'm no Ellen. But um, <laughs> I would sign up. I would be the first sign up for the Gina. I'm so excited. I can't even say your name. I'm like, sign me up, sign me up show. Yes. Um, but you're also doing, um, it's through not Venmo, but Vimeo, the, the video, Vimeo, yeah. right. Not to be confused with the cash app, um, where <laughs> right, right. people can actually purchase classes from you. Yeah. So I kind of, I wanted to just to, to make an offering and I wanted it to be smart and respect my craft and my colleagues. So when this all started, I said to myself, what do I want to give away? Because I know that there are a lot of people that are now out of work and everything's turned upside down financially. So what do I want to give away? And that's where I'm doing these IG lives every day where I'm giving away what I think is most valuable, which is, you know, the, the teachings of yoga, the, you know, all of the stuff that's been 20 plus years of practice, you know, how that shows up in our lives off the mat. And then to sustain myself so that I can keep doing this, I'm putting um, on-demand classes up on Vimeo, as you said, and they're either for rent or for download. And that just felt right to me, you know, where it's like, this is what I'm giving and this is what I'm asking for, you know, and... uh I think we got to play the long game with this one, y'all. Don't you agree? I completely agree. And, and so yeah. is, that your, is that your advice to other yoga teachers listening right now? I mean, do you think, it, I, I guess it's, you know, I see everyone, a lot of people doing lives now and a lot of people putting up content on websites. Um, mm-hmm. do you, I mean, is that the way to sustain ourselves right now? Do you think that is the ultimate goal? I I think that if we're looking at this as like a two week problem, which up until Sunday night, I I think some people still were, there's like a short term idea of how are you going to put yourself out there and be of service? And I think that's why in the first two weeks, you know, everybody was giving things away for free and there's something beautiful in that Mm -hmm. generosity, but in terms of, okay, it's not two weeks, you know, and we've got to think about how we're impacting our craft 
you know, where it, 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 it's like, yes, let's give some things away for free. Let's do it. Be of service. Seva, you know. But at the same time, let's play the long game here and think about, like, after the, the big surge, how, how, is, how are our choices now going to impact people's perception of yoga teachers and yoga mm. classes? And, you know, it's a big question mark. And there's no right answer. But I just like to feel like my colleagues are considering the, the long game and not just the short game, because I, I don't think it's going to be it's not two weeks. I think we all know that now. <laughs> well, one thing Catherine and I have been talking about how is how on let's just take Instagram in particular, you've got mm-hmm. millions of people on there, some of them pretty well known and even ones that are, you know, like world famous. And mm-hmm. before this pandemic, they had dozens and hundreds of outlets to get their performative nature out of their system or Mm -hmm. to have that shine of relevance. Right. So it'd be like, all right, well, they're going to go on with Jimmy Fallon on the tonight show, or, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got a movie coming out or they've got that opening. Now they're stuck in a house, but they are still the same person craving relevance. And so now you're Mm -hmm. seeing all of those people popping on Instagram live and Mm -hmm. you're seeing, because they can't, you know, this is not like a judgment on famous people, but I think all of us are kind of like, oh, we want that little, we're, we want that little burst of like relevance or can, you know, whatever it is, it's not really connection that we used to get just from like nodding mm-hmm. to somebody at the coffee shop or whatever. But what what we're seeing then is like an inundation of Instagram lives and stories and videos. And some of them are cutting through the noise, but it used to be that if you were going to teach, if Catherine was going to go or Gina, you were going to go teach an Instagram live class you'd have a lot of people being like, oh, okay, alive. Oh, someone's going live. Like not that many people were going mm-hmm. live all the time. And now right. we are just inundated with people going live. Now and I, and I, Chrissy Teigen, it's like performing a, a wedding ceremony for her daughter's right. teddy bears live. <laughs> that and, seriously took 25 minutes. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure it was beautiful. I mean, they were, they were in love. I heard they were truly in love. Yeah. Lots of tears. Um, but I guess it's like, it's making it so noisy for, for the, the folks who actually are trying to translate yeah. this medium to like make, uh, make some level of income to, you know, be able to eat something more than ramen. So there's no question in there other than this observation of like, we're, wow, we're really getting like a peek behind the curtain about what some, you know, about mm-hmm. people going live in their own homes, people that you would never see do that before. Cause that's where they wanted to be private. Well, I am so glad that you brought that up, Kate, because I've been thinking a lot about this, the same concept of we're in an attention economy right now. Such yeah. a good way you of know? saying it. And, it, you know, I, I was quick on the draw, man. I, it's like, I was like, I, I didn't like go, oh shit and freak out for a while. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that approach. So if anybody is still <laughs> freaking out, I see you and support you, but that's not how I roll personally. You know, I'm a, I'm a quick responder and, you know, there might've been a few days where I, I've noticed the exact same thing you're saying, where I was the only live going on, you know, at 9 a.m. mountain time, right? And now it's just like, I can barely scroll without like, so-and-so is going live, going live, going live, going live. And I've also seen, you know, that my numbers in terms of viewers change for exactly the reason that yeah. you just mm-hmm. said, because you have stuffed animal weddings and yoga <laughs> classes and meditation <laughs> and cooking classes and quest love, do DJ sets and 
So it's, yeah, we're in an attention economy and I witnessed myself have a like, well, damn it. You know, I was first, not exactly (laughs) that. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I did witness a feeling of like, oh no. And then I was like, oh, look at me getting all, oh no. And then I really think therein it's important though, you know, for a yoga teacher anyway, the people that really need to hear you are going to cut through. They're going to wade through all the other stuff and be there, you know, and, and, and that may end up being five people and not right. 500 people. And, and that's what at this point in my life, I'm like, look, if I'm getting some of the sweetest messages from people that are saying like the consistency of our morning sits, we call it, it's a workable day in the neighborhood. I love that title. <laughs> love that title (laughs) thank you the consistency they're saying is grounding them to make it through and these some of these people are like healthcare professionals and stuff so that's what's like in this attention economy when there's so much now pulling on people's attention I'm just I'm just kind of relaxing into like well uh I'm not going to worry about how many people uh, I'm going to worry more about the authenticity of the offering, uh, you know, how genuine it is, and really reflect on some of the things that you were saying. Like, is there any part of me that's doing this for that little shine, for that relevance hit? Because when that starts to happen, then I need to be done, you know, move on, do something else. It's actually so, so similar to um, for yoga teachers when you're teaching a live class and you get that endorphin hit because you have, you know, 25 people show up or whatever mm-hmm. number is high to the individual. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. next day you have two students show mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden totally. you've lost your mojo. And when it's like, but those could be the two people out of your entire mm-hmm. city who need yoga the most and they showed up for you to to request what you are known for giving. And are yeah. you going to drop it just because you don't feel shiny enough because there's only two people? It, it, I think right. that I'm so glad you brought that up because I think for anyone doing what you're doing right now who has an important message to share and wants to put it out there in this format on social media, like, fuck those numbers. You cannot look at those numbers. You have to just... Lean into the your fact message. That they're even there sucks. I know, but I mean, it'd be nice that's to just what go Instagram live does. and just go live. I mm-hmm. mean, not that everybody needs to be going live, but again, yeah, yeah. It's a, what yeah. a weird no, phrase can... I just said. <laughs> if you want to go live, you just go live. <laughs> well, I I know what you mean about that little ticker, those numbers. Like, I, it it because I'm a human being. You know, it's hard to not see while you're mid sentence saying something. Yeah so potent and helpful of course you see them like you know dropping like out the number goes down and you're like hey what i say you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i know it's, it's actually <laughs> as distracting as if you're speaking and someone leaves the aud- like auditorium yes. as someone who's speaking totally. like it is incre- incredibly jarring when somebody leaves in the middle of a speech that you can't help but just get shook and it, it's a very similar feeling when that it number is. drops and, and, and maybe they have like diarrhea you know, you, we assume, we assume it's because we're lame, you know, but, but what I've been doing is it's the so end- maybe Gina, they thought you're so amazing. They had to go tell someone else. <laughs> they got so excited. They had, to, they go had to go downstairs and tell their significant other. That's right. They're going down to wrangle their whole family. Right. I know. Yeah. Um, no, but what, here, here's what I've been doing is I end each of my morning, uh, sessions with a, a live meditation. 
And as soon as I go into it or begin it, you know, that you see that number kind of going, you know, uh, they were there for the other part. Uh, But you know what? When I open my eyes back up and I see the people that stayed, I'm always like, hell yeah. You know, like that's, that's the, if you're going to care about numbers, look at that. You know, they were, they, they just dedicated like right now when people have kids running all over the place and stuff like that. And, and they're, they're there. It might not be a huge number, but they are there. That they're, that's your neighborhood, you know? Totally. A workable day yeah. in the neighborhood. Gina, tell the, <laughs> tell the people where the people can find the Gina. Where can we find the goodness? Well, you know, the, 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 the central hub is always my website, ginacaputo.com. But yeah, uh, on Instagram, I'm Yogini on the loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you uh, are. Which I've been thinking a lot about now that we're like Yoginis in quarantine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you know how, like, what on the loose is going to mean after this? I mean, on the loose has always meant it's been a, it's a mental state, you know, but so, so we're still on the loose, but I am already excited for like the childlike wonder that I anticipate people are going to be experiencing when they're on the loose again. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so fun. We're, we're already planning a trip to Disney world as our first step out into the real world whenever (laughs) that happens. So we're going to be really childlike. Oh my God. I can't wait to see the photos (laughs) with the ears and everything. Let's not get carried away. I'm not, I'm kidding. I want yours. (laughs) Okay. All right, Gina. Oh, Gina, thank you. We love you. Thank you so much for coming on and chat with us. I miss you too. I I miss you. We will see each other's faces someday soon in person, not Mm, through a screen. In person. Sooner than later. Love you, Mama. Bye. All right. Love you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. We are joined with Stacey Smallwood, who has been on Free Cookies before. She is the amazing, wonderful, lovely owner of Hamden Clothing in Charleston, South Carolina. Also James, also small. Um, And Stacey, it's just, it's so difficult to hear your voice like this because you were seriously one of the the bubbliest humans I have ever met before. Um, you were like a, a actual animated sparkle in my mind. And, <laughs> and, and I know you were going through incredibly hard times right now. And can you just kind of give our listeners an idea of what it's like? I mean, you have, how long have you had Hampton, Hampton for it now? Um, 13 years. 13 years. And I know you have amazing dreams for where you want to take this store yeah. and and what has this just few weeks how has that changed it for you I mean it is devastating I was open in 08 so um I was definitely around for the crash and this is so much different um this is so different because there's so much unknown in the unknown of when we're going to reopen, you know, just the physicality of, I have 10,000 square feet of retail space on King street and just, um, having opened our brand new 4,200 square foot store on Friday, March 13th. And then we closed all 10,000 square feet on Monday, March 16th. So one of the most unusual things about the retail industry is that we order merchandise five to six months in advance. So we, unlike a restaurant, 
cannot make changes to that inventory. Um, most of it already had shipped because mm-hmm. March and April are our two biggest months of the year for spring goods. So the decisions I made back in September, oh nine, I mean, September, 2019 are what I'm living with now. And in, the landscape was so different. You know, I was so excited about the expansion of our new store, about um, even new brands that we were taking on, you know, coming into such a beautiful time in Charleston when it is um, airy and there's events and and people have a good energy and there's so much positivity and and so much tourism. I mean, we have four million tourists a year and to watch all of that go away is like watching your dreams go away. So right now my store is full of inventory that I have to move through and is my liability. You know, I don't get to call back and, and say, you know, this didn't sell or you, um, you know, we we're closed. So you have to take the merchandise back. Um, the designers, they themselves are hanging on by a thread, you know, so much about this industry is unknown. And it's something we spoke about on our podcast with you guys before. And it's not just about buying a dress for me. It's like you come in and you buy a dress and I use that money to pay my employees, to pay my rent, to pay my lights, to pay for the merchandise that you bought. Um, and then from there, once I pay the vendor for the merchandise, they pay, you know, their salespeople who sold it to me, who the people who boxed it up and shipped it to me, to the woman who sewed it to the woman, you know, uh, the factory workers in Italy, like every person is touched by it. And it is a huge, huge industry. Um, and it is such a trickle down effect by people not purchasing, um, address, which right now, um, for some reason, retail is looked upon as this like grubby industry where we're all trying to sell you something you don't need. Right. And that is just so not the case. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think think we all need to completely alter our perspective in that sense, because I think when this first started, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, don't can't spend money on anything frivolous right now because the economy is going to crash and we don't know what we're going into. But it's like you have to remember that things that are, quote, frivolous are also the businesses that are small and independent. And you buying those, quote, frivolous things are keeping other independent businesses alive, whether it's face products or a dress or something that. Yeah. you know, it's, it's, and so I would really like listeners to kind of rearrange, like if you have been wanting to buy a dress, like now is actually a good time because you're going to put money in the pockets of someone who is struggling to keep their business open that you've loved for a long time. Um, and I mean, how, how have sales been doing on the, on the website? Is that continuing to trickle in at all? Yeah. Um, we, people are like, Oh, you're so lucky that you have a website. And I was like, well, we're not lucky. <laughs> I've invested in it to diversify and grow our business. And so every single piece in the 10,000 square feet of retail space is on hamdenclothing.com. 
and it is on it is flat image it's styled on a model you know we're really putting our efforts towards the website because that is what we can control you know we can control um talking to our clients via instagram trying on clothes for them and keeping um some sort of beauty and positivity in fashion you know the craziest thing is we all do get dressed every day i mean whether it be pajamas or you know if you're feeling yucky i've challenged a lot of people to say go take a shower put on some makeup and put on your favorite outfit not for anyone else but for yourself because it can change your mood it can change your energy it can change your attitude that gosh i remember who i was before all this started you know fashion is a art form and it is a powerful thing that again we all act like we're not part of but we are you know um Stacey, can it you, can be something so motivating can you um <clears throat> like share with our listeners just like the nuts and bolts of what you're going through right now like a lot of people you know you'll, you'll have that phrase like the lean times or the hard times or you know yeah. this idea of like you know, hibernating and then gathering so that you can get through a harsh winter. Like what, what does it look like for you on the ground? Like, can you, can, if this goes on for six more weeks, what happens? Like, do you, do you have those equations in your head where you're like, I need this to stop by this date or I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was pretty devastating to hear that probably I had kind of April 15th in my head. And I was like, okay, I can make it till then. And then when, you know, the government came on or the president came on and said, um, we will probably be closed until April 30th, then that was just like the one last blow that just killed me, you know? And it was like, how am I going to do this for another month? Um, And so for me, what I've done is the first week that we were closed, I used all of those sales to put in a fund, uh, or put aside to make payroll for the next two payrolls. I'm very committed to the idea that we are a team at Hamden. Yes, um, you are. All of my people are on salary and not commission. And I can't do this without them. So I have not laid them off. Um, I think most retailers have, and believe me, I'm getting so much pressure to do it, to lay them off. But I just don't think it's the right thing. It's not the right thing for me. It's not the right thing for my business long-term. And the people that make my business run every day is them. And how could I look them in the eye when this is done and say, okay, you ready to come back? Because there would be so much resentment there. I would, I wouldn't be ready to come back full force. So I've put money aside for two more payrolls. So the idea of having one more after that is scary as hell. Um, then I've gone to my landlords and asked for rent relief. Most of them have not given me relief. They've just, they've said, you don't have to pay now, but you'll have to pay later. So that scares me in the fact that now in September, October, November, and December, I'm going to have to add on those payments and pay them back. So um, this idea of the SBA loan, I mean, I can't 
there's so much information out there. And if one more freaking person sends me a link to the SBA thing, I might scream because it's like, oh my God, you guys, I know. Like, and you know, what's the right one to do? What, how do you do it? So I'm trying to talk to as many different accountants or, um, different, um, consultants from Berkeley capital to, um, you know, a hedge fund to all different kinds of places to figure out what, what's, how do I do this and how do I make it through this and what, what they, are they really going to cover? Because a grant is what we need. We need forgiveness not to be drowning in debt when we come out of this, you know? Um, I am every single day, all day on the phone with my vendors and asking them for um, discounts on the merchandise that I have now and slashing away at my fall buy. Um, Just to give you an idea, Golden Goose is not even producing a fall collection. Wow. most uh, I, most of my vendors are not going to do a resort collection at all. Um, yeah, so I think a I lot of factories have closed down at this point, so there's nowhere to even produce. Make them. Yeah. Well, um, so they, but the resort collections wouldn't ship until October, November, or really like November, December, January. So what does that mean for my business? Like, so the goods that we have coming in for fall need to almost last us through January. And then, so how much merchandise do I need? What is the customer even going to want then? Are they going to want basics? Are they going to want emotional? Are they going to be ready to shop? Right. How, how many employees do I need then? Um, you know, and to, to skip an entire delivery that we would typically spend like a million dollars on and just not have that merchandise come in at all. So now what, what is that? You know, so I'm not, I have to look at now merchandise I have on hand, the merchandise that's coming in for pre-fall, which now we're shifting all those deliveries into July. And then the merchandise that will now come in for fall, which is going to be like September um, and October, which typically would have been like July and August. And then when will the markdowns come? The department stores dictate so much of the conversation that they just start slashing away at prices. If we don't sell merchandise at regular price, when we mark it down to 40% off, all we're doing is making enough to pay for the merchandise, not enough to pay our employees or pay for rent or pay for any of the expenses. Well, I've noticed you've still been generous to give everyone 10% off on your website. And yeah. for, for everyone listening, it's Hampton, it's H-A-M-P-D-E-N clothing.com. And again, yeah. if you had that itch to get something or you have the financial means to do a little shopping, it, it counts. It, it truly, truly counts. Um, Stacy, we love you so much. We will continue to support you forever. We will go screaming <laughs> and kicking you. with you. And, <laughs> Um, and we encourage everybody to check your site out and we love you. We also encourage everyone to listen to the episode we recorded with Stacy, so you can learn more about her industry. And, um, as Kate likes to say, all the nut and bolts, the nuts and bolts, yeah. the nuts and bolts that put it together. So we love you so much. Thank you for taking the time to come talk to love us. Love you guys. Okay. Hang thanks, in there. Stacey. Love you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. We are joined now by John Echeverry, who is the owner of Paper Plane Coffee. 
and you guys roast in Brooklyn, but you have your brick and mortar in Montclair, New Jersey. That's right, John, right? Actually, funny enough, I started the company in Brooklyn okay. and uh, I moved out here to Montclair and actually it just moved the whole company out here when my wife and I uh, figured out we were, we were going to be parents or we were going to have a kid. Um, so in planning for her arrival, I didn't want to be two hours away from either of my babies. Uh, so I moved the whole company uh, from Brooklyn to Montclair. Uh, and you, as you can imagine, my commute is so much better. Yes, yes. And it's, uh, I've, I've been there. And it's a beautiful coffee shop in New Jersey, which is where John and I met. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, but but your wife takes Catherine's yoga glow classes, I believe, or takes her yoga. Yes. yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, like, and far more than that, I, I have to I have to kind of say uh, thank you, Catherine, um, oh. because even though we haven't met, um, your influence on my wife. Uh, is, has been huge. Uh, mm. She had a lot of body uh, image issues uh, several years ago, um, and she, you are one of her personal heroes. So much so that when she was going to grad school, um, they had this uh, dress up like a hero day, and she dressed up like you. Oh my god! And so, um, no, really. I mean, I, t- I actually told Kate that my wife was a huge fan, but uh, yeah, that she's she loves you. And, um, because of that, I, I love you as well. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love you guys too. I, I have to ask, what did she wear? I have yeah, to dig up a picture. No, but she always says, I mean, like, you know, she said that she's been listening to your po- the podcast for forever. She's been taking the classes. Um, she was a young mom. Um, so, you know, all these compounded issues, uh, kind of, up to gravitate towards you because you always had this positive, um, you know, message. Yeah. And uh, I'll have to see if I if I can dig up the picture. I'll uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to Kate. We would yeah. love to see would, that. All right, let's let's jump in on on this. You know, COVID nineteen and how it's impacting so many small businesses. John, what can you just give us the lay of the land of going into the start of this pandemic? Like where your business was in terms of you don't have to give us like actual numbers, but like, how did you feel on solid ground? Like how many employees, like, can you give us that lay of the land? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just to give a uh, little background to the people that are listening, um, Montclair is in Essex County. Uh, it's right next to Bergen County. Both of these counties are essentially suburbs of New York. Uh, Bergen is the hardest County hit, um, outside of the epicenter of New York, followed by Essex County. So we have mm. a ton of cases here. I actually just found out this morning that our neighboring shop, um, it's two sisters that run it. I believe one of the sisters passed away on Friday. Oh my God. From this. Um, so it's, it's been really crazy. I mean, we, we really kind of hit the ground running on this. Um, I, funny enough, I've been kind of paying attention to it for a while. Um, and I made the decision to close our shop before they, they decided to do a shutdown of New Jersey. So it's been about a little over two weeks since I closed the doors to our cafe. Um, we actually opened up in September of last year. Um, and things have been going great. I've got six employees. Um, you know, most of them, about half of them are full time. Um, but I, I basically told everybody stay home. I'm going to pay you like you had been working these next two weeks just so we can see, 
kind of what what's going to happen. Uh, and since then, since we're coffee roasters, I've still been roasting coffee in house, um, doing doorstep delivery for for any of the local people. Um, I guess pretty much within a five mile radius. But I mean, we went from you know seeing over a hundred people a day in our cafe to nobody to mm-hmm. zero. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really scary. Um, you know, I, myself, I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. Uh, I donated any perishable things that I had here because, you know, I mean, milk, uh, is going to go bad, but we have soup kitchens that are really close to us that, that are in need that are still feeding people. So I made sure to donate that. I reached out to some of the, uh, the local, um, first responders to see if there's, uh, if they're in need of any latex gloves. We still have latex gloves here. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, on today's kind of gloomy and cold, so you don't see that many people out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been kind of, it's been eerie. I keep on seeing a meme that says it's someone holding up a sign that says this episode of black mirror sucks. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's so true. <laughs> We love that show, but maybe not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, we, we were talking <laughs> with our producer, Lindsay, before we got on the phone with you, and she comes from the food and bev industry. And and obviously you're part of that industry, but I know a, a cafe has very different um, yeah, overhead, and overhead and as yeah. opposed to what it would be for a restaurant. So since you didn't open that long ago, like, do you, were you in a good place before you had to shut down? Do you feel like you have any buffering you know, like, what do you think time frame is? Do you, do you have a freak out date yeah. on your calendar with a little minion <laughs> screaming on it or something I'm, like that? Not yet. I mean, so essentially my, my background, like when I started this company, I took every bit of money that I had. Um, I'm uh, an actor. I do voices. Um, and so luckily enough, I, I got a pretty nice job being the voice of a Frisky's cat. Wait, can you do and a minion? I know Speaking it's not the minions, right energy I, and the right no, time to do it, but. Like, <laughs> no, that's, that's about it. Wow. <laughs> well, this, this interview just got so exciting. So coffee's your side hustle. <laughs> oh, so much, well, like, funny enough, just on a, like, just a different note, Kermit the Frog was one of my first uh, voices that I ever learned, and that became Shaggy. So Kermit is pretty easy. You can kind of just be like, hey, everybody, this is Kermit the Frog. Hello. And then you put a little bit of uh, uh, Casey Kasem in there, and it's like Zoix. This took oh, an wow. amazing turn that I really like. Well, yeah, we need the celebrity. Thank you so much. We need you full of full episode once this whole thing has passed. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you guys watch uh, Adult Swim, but one of my favorite shows used to be Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, and there's a little root ball toasted on bread, and she's my favorite. <laughs> so so I was fortunate enough to still have some paying gigs and I put right. everything that I could into really starting this company. But for a whole year, I slept on a couch in my office and I made it work. And when I got my small business loan to finally open up my first brick and mortar, I made my goal to pay off the small business loan within a year. And I was on track to do it. Um, obviously until this hit. So thankfully I'm in a very unique position, which most other people in the industry aren't 
where I was incredibly, you know, I just, I pinched every penny that I could. I worked most of the hours just to save myself on labor. You know, I pay my employees a living wage, um, and they make tips on top of that. So, but even with that, I mean, well before my freak out date, I will have probably created a lemon lemonade stand with like a six foot distance for people only instead of lemonade, it's lattes. Right. Yeah. So what is the, we're, we're currently drinking your, your decaf roast delicious, from, from Paper Plane. And, and I made producer Lindsay one too. And she was like, this is amazing decaf. And it is, I meant to send you a message, John, that it's the, the best decaf. We, we saw a, a shadow yeah. pass over her eyes when we said decaf and then she started drinking it. And, and she, she was, was like, like this oh, is, oh, this oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but what is, what is most helpful to you right now? Like what, what has the best margins? Like what can people do to help you through this time? Um, you know, funny enough, I mean, a lot of people locally, um, have been purchasing gift cards, um, because they'll, they'll eventually come in and be able to, to spend that. Um, but when people ask me, I said, you know, I, I want you to be able to enjoy, like get something that you're going to be able to, you're going to need and you're going to be able to enjoy. And that's, you know, get some coffee, get some coffee for yourself. Um, you know, most people are working at home. Uh, my wife is still teaching at home. She teaches um, second grade kids with autism. So, you know, we've been making videos for, mm-hmm. for them and things that, like with sensory and she needs all the caffeine she can get. <laughs> so, you know, my margins are, are still great with, with coffee. Um, you know, we have a bunch of different options available online. Um, granted, you know, I, we sell specialty coffee, so it's a step up above from, you know, your Folgers, your Maxwell house. We do things a little bit differently than kind of like the traditional roasts. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if anybody would like to support us, uh, you're more than welcome to check out paperplanecoffee.com um, and check out some of our, uh, some of our offerings. Awesome. You have fabulous mugs also, I have to say. And if people go to Thank you. The, yeah. um, the Inky Phoenix page, I have a post up of your mug that says uh, fly high. That's right. It's sitting on top of station 11 seemed appropriate. Um, I love that picture. <laughs> yeah. So last question, John, do, do you do Donald Duck? Oh, are you going to go? Do I do what? Do you do Donald Duck? What Kate is saying is she wants to no, share I her Donald I Duck. I can't do Donald Duck. That one was always really hard. I can do the intonation of the, like, the quack. The yeah. I just can't speak with doing it. Um, okay. I, I For a while there, I could do a really good uh, uh, Big Lebowski. I, oh. Every once in a while, especially if I've been drinking, I can I can have uh, a nice Jeff Bridges <laughs> intonation. So I'd be like, "What are you doing, Walter? What does Vietnam have to do with anything? Man, they're gonna kill that poor woman, man." Okay, that's so good. That is good. Um, so, well, yeah, so uh, the dude comes out. No, I mean, it's they're all they're all they're all kind of funny. Um, my parents have a really funny accent because uh, they are Colombian. And it blows my mind because they came to this country uh, late 20s, early, or when they were in their late 20s and early 30s, and they learned a whole different language from scratch. Um, my dad never finished high school. My mom never finished middle school. So they came and they can write, they can read, they can do all these things. But 
they live in the South and my dad has the wildest accent I've ever had. And I'll <laughs> never be able to replicate it because he sounds like a cross between Juan Valdez and Yosemite Sam. And <laughs> it's incredible. Wow. So you have lots of inspiration to draw yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, John, thank you so much. And thank you for the levity too. Yes. This is a good added this, bonus. We needed the segment. Thank you. And much love to your wife. Absolutely. Thank you all for reaching out. Uh, stay safe. All right. Uh, and keep inspiring people. Thanks, That's John. what we need now. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. All right, we are now joined by Melody and Michael Shantov, owners of Butcher and Bee in Charleston, South Carolina, as well as The Daily in Charleston, and they also have restaurants in Nashville as well. So, a budding restaurant empire. And we... There you go. Thank you, Michael. Um, So, we we just wanted to hop on the phone and really get some insight into how this pandemic is truly impacting you guys. So if you can just give us just the overall like lay of the land, like before, before day one of this pandemic in your mind, like where were you guys in terms of like how you were thinking about growing and what the kind of day-to-day operation looked like? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I would say we had a budding restaurant empire. Um, <laughs> uh, we, you know, interestingly, we've been talking for about a year about quality of life and how you balance and sort of like what number of restaurants is the right number. And I, we were already feeling somewhat stretched and we were really, we were thinking about going from 10 restaurants that we have now over the next year or two down by one or two or three stores and then starting to rebuild in a smarter way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, so we, we put growth on hold already. I, I really feel for anybody who's building a restaurant right now or was getting ready to open one, uh, given the amount of uncertainty about the future, but, um, okay. I'm going to take a crack at the answer. Thank you, Melody. Bring it. No, that was a good, that was a good answer too. I didn't mean to judge the answer there. Um, I realized yesterday that it's been 25 days since we took our son out of school and 19 days since we've had childcare. And I really thought it had only been about a week or a week and a half. We have completely lost track of time. But during the week when everything happened, we were open on um, Monday. We were on crisis mode. On Tuesday, I thought we should close. And Michael thought we're going to wait it out and see. At that time, we were on conversation with a lot of other restaurateurs in Charleston And I told Michael, let's close. We have to close. And Michael texted a group chain with about 15 other restaurateurs on it. And he said, out of curiosity, how many of you are planning to have your dining rooms open tomorrow? This was on a Tuesday. Every single one of them responded that they were planning on having their dining rooms open. Hmm. So that fast forward 24 hours to the end of Wednesday, that was the end of Tuesday, the end of Wednesday, every single one of them had decided to close their dining room. So in a matter of 24 hours, we went from let's plug all the holes, let's get in crisis mode and try to keep the ship afloat to the ship is sinking, we have to close. And that means we have to lay everybody off. And in order for them to get unemployment, we have to actually fight, like lay them off rather than furlough them or part-time them. Decisions were being made on the fly that usually would take months, if not longer, to make. Decisions about staying open, decisions about whom to keep on staff and whom not to, decisions about how to safely execute um, dining, delivery, 
dishwashing, food handling, food prep, and all of that kind of thing happening moment to moment. And within a few days, we had gone from fully operational across the board to um, yeah, we were, a fraction of, of that. Yeah, that was one of the things as, as it was getting closer, it just things changed so quick. I mean, we would have a conference call and have a playbook and the next day it was obsolete. I mean, we, we wrote a, we wrote a letter to our like newsletter subscribers detailing all the steps we were taking to keep the restaurant safe and sanitized. And within a day we decided not to see people in the dining room anymore. So, um, there's no playbook for it. I mean, there will be now, but there's no playbook for it. Mm -hmm. There was no playbook. And we were trying to figure out what was happening in the public, in the greater world, in the dining world in particular, and trying to make the best moves for us. And of course, it's preservation. You want to save your business. So all your thoughts are on saving the business and saving the staff and keeping the staff on and making sure they are getting paid. A lot of people rely on paychecks and they work for us and with us. And it was really a desperate attempt to try to figure out all the moving parts. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of your staff, Michael and Melody, I know you've both been incredibly proactive with um, paying it forward and and, and helping support everyone in the food and bev world. And, and we were just talking before we called you with our producer, Lindsay Collins, and about how letting your workers go is actually a kindness because then they are able to get unemployment. But I also, can, can you talk a little bit about the pay it forward that you've been creating and that people can go to I think, on the yeah. daily and butcher and bee to learn more about that and contribute if they want to. Yeah. Thank you. And we're just about to, to actually broaden that initiative quite dramatically. Um, so timely question. Um, we had, we've had to reinterpret what supporting our staff means. Um, as Melody said, you know, initially we're trying to figure out how to keep everybody on the payroll. And then we realized actually the best thing we can do is move everybody to get on unemployment as quick as they can, because mm-hmm. this was not going to be a one week or two week event. And so we pivoted to really focusing on lobbying on our staff's behalf, uh, lobbying for more on insurance, um, unemployment insurance, uh, lobbying for uh, the paycheck protection plan that allows us to hire them back and um, funds that we use to payroll get converted to a grant. But one of the first things that we realized is that we had um, purveyors, um, including small purveyors, and especially our egg, the person we buy eggs from, who've been working on scaling up to meet our and other restaurant needs, that all of a sudden saw their market evaporate. Um, you know, 70, 80, 90% of restaurant demand disappeared overnight. So the, the initial thought was maybe we can buy eggs at a steep discount from our egg person. Um, who's going to have eggs spoiling and give them out to our staff for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but a conversation that we had with a with a mutual friend of all of ours, you know, he sort of in, told us that there's two ways to think about this crisis. One is through the lens of scarcity and one is through the lens of plenty and think about what you have plenty of. And so we thought if there's a way to bring plenty to the wider community, we should do that. So we created a program where anybody can donate as little as $10, although a lot of people have donated 100 and several have donated 5 or or 1000 um, And uh, that money gets used to buy groceries, mostly from small local purveyors. Uh, but we're also buying things that larger purveyors have that are going to expire soon um, and honoring those products, keeping them from spoiling them. 
um, and then we're putting those groceries in people's hands. We went from 100 people that signed up in the first few days. This is now we're at day 10. Uh, we just hit 750 signups now uh, for grocery bags. We've raised over $10,000, and uh, we are um, actually now on the show live announcing that we are folding our efforts into Feed the Need, the okay. wonderful nonprofit that already exists here in Charleston. We'll be yeah. raising funds through that. And we'll be going from uh, one – we started with Butcher and B as the only distribution point. This week we'll have four or five. By next week we'll have ten scattered throughout the city, and we should be doing a 1,000 or more bags a week by next week. So, you, Michael, you, you kind of corrected me at, at the top where I said a budding restaurant empire, and then you said maybe for, you know formally because of everything that's happened. As, as – honest and open as you guys are willing to be about the numbers, because I'm a numbers person, can you kind of take us through, like, so if you, you have 10 restaurants, like, how many employees are we talking about? Like, how long could you keep restaurants afloat without actually making food for people and having customers sit down? Like, what does, what do those numbers look like? Is there, like, X amount in the bank and it can keep things going for a certain amount of time? Like, how does this math work? Yeah, great question. So so one thing is it depends on uh, the timing of this could not have been worse because most of us experience our slow season from roughly September through February. So we're just coming into our busy season. Most of us use March through September to try to put money away to get us through September through February. Uh, I have talked to a lot of restaurateurs, both in Charleston and outside of Charleston. I have not talked to any that don't have uh, significant financing and liquidity issues. I mean, I talked mm-hmm. to one restaurateur who had a million dollars in their operating account on the Tuesday that we all decided to close. And he was worried about having enough money to reopen his restaurants <laughs> with. And that's um, a lot, what, right? I'm assuming having a million yeah, liquidity is a lot. That's a lot. So, I mean, just one data point, the last payroll that we did at Butcher and B, which was, you know, Nashville, Charleston, uh, our taco shop in Nashville, and uh, the daily was close to $100,000. And just to, to give the um, listener an idea, how many people do you seat at Butcher and B? Uh, we seat 80 at each of the Butcher and B. Okay. So, yeah. And, and the thing is, payroll was... We pay weekly. A lot of restaurants pay weekly. Some pay biweekly. So your payroll was – you basically had a full payroll, if not more, that you owed when your revenue went to zero. And typically restaurants – most restaurants work in a way that this week's sales pays for last week's bills. Mm -hmm. So last week's payroll was paid for by the sales coming in this week. So when you turn the spigot off and your revenue goes to zero and, you know – People, some people are doing a little bit of takeout business that are still open. Some are doing a brisk takeout business, but even a brisk takeout business looks like maybe 50% of your prior sales. So no, nobody is really making money doing takeout. They're just trying to hang in there and be in a better place to reopen. Um, well, so yeah, there's, so, so yeah, Kate, typically a restaurant is not going to last more than a week out of funds in the account that they have. So without money coming in, right? Without money coming right. in, right? And if you think about it, like a very successful restaurant runs at a ten percent margin. In order to have a six-month or a four-month sort of like reserve of savings, you would need to be running at a very healthy ten percent margin for four or five years. Wow. And, and in those four or five years, like no water heater breaks, you know, no damage, no electrical fire that closes you down, no tornado like hit us in Nashville that closes for a week you know, no hurricanes, 
you have to have basically four or five perfect years, which doesn't happen in order to be able to save up a four or five, six month, you know, and I think that, and it, I think a good place for people to look is businesses like Boeing and the airlines that have access to capital markets that can sell stock, that can borrow billions of dollars, you know, they're in bad shape. And so the local corner restaurant, and, and I'll say, Melody and I, thankfully, are in much better shape than most restaurants. We're more resourceful. We have banking relationships. We have multiple businesses. We've been established. You know, what we're really fighting for, you know, alongside fighting for our staff is for the neighbors that we have down the street and across the street and around the city to make Charleston a great restaurant community mm-hmm. and help make it a rest- great community because they're the ones that are going to need the most help. Um, they're the ones that like we might be able to put debt on our balance sheet, go out and borrow money and get reopened. They might not be in a position to put any more debt on their balance sheets. They might not want to take on any more right. debt. So, so just last question. When we hear so much about the bailout and the money and these loans that small businesses can get, does that actually help restaurants? Like if someone takes out a loan, they still have to pay back that loan, even if it's interest free and they yep. still have missed out on a month of, or, or more of their restaurant actually being open. So like what actually exists now in this bailout to help our restaurants? Yeah. Go ahead. It's a, it's a textured issue. I, it's very well intentioned. It's a good start. The um, stimulus, the, what they call the 3.0 uh, has a program called the paycheck protection plan that lets businesses borrow money, um, hire their employees back. As long as 90% of your employees are hired back by the end of June, you qualify to have the loan get turned into a grant so you don't have to pay it back. Okay. Mm, the idea and what we pushed for was let us keep these people on our payrolls instead of putting them on unemployment because they're going to get paid anyway, so let them get paid through us and they still work for us. Uh, unfortunately, what happened was that got passed along with an increase in unemployment insurance, which we're very happy they passed that increase in unemployment insurance. Uh, but now everybody that's on unemployment is getting an additional $600 from the federal government for the next four months. There's, so there's really not any reason for anybody to come off unemployment and come back onto a restaurant's payroll unless they make roughly $65,000, dollars a year or more. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of those people out there. And if you make more than 100 your salary over 100 isn't covered. So they basically created a very narrow incentive that the only people who, who have any motivation to come back to work mm-hmm. or for restaurants are those making between seventy dollars and $100,000 per year. And so we're <laughs> lobbying now for that to get fixed either in the guidance or as part of phase four, we certainly want to help employees as much as we can. Um, and we want, we don't want to do anything or advocate for anything that would take money out of our team's pockets. But this bill unfortunately is, has two pieces that are in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I love how proactive both of y'all are. And before we um, let you go, can you just let us know uh, where are the easiest places to find you to help out with the pay it forward? What websites just yeah. so listeners, can, listeners get to can go. Absolutely. So uh, it's live now and within a um, few hours, the donation link should be up, but pay it forward, charleston.org. Okay. And once again, pay it forward, charleston.org. Uh, we'll have information about the program, how to donate. Um, we got a really nice donation from busy Phillips. Um, oh, that's sweet. Last night, yesterday. So uh, you can join her and uh, dozens of others. 
And I would say if you have a business that's benefiting uh, during this time, uh, please consider um, donating part of the <laughs> revenue, part of your proceeds to that, as Red Clay Hot Sauce has done. And now they've been followed by Off Track Ice Cream in Charleston, um, as well as uh, Madam Mager, um, who makes wonderful textiles uh, with Indigo. So we have now three businesses. Um, I understand Charleston Fermentary is going to join, and we welcome any any businesses to join. We welcome any restaurants that want to participate to join. And um, thank you Amazing. all for the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, right. thank you. Thank you, Melody. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. I hear the kudos in the background. We love yeah, you guys. You have, a, <laughs> you have a, now you, you had two shim toves at the beginning of the call. Now you have three. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank oh, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is a wrap for this week's free cookies. Next week, we will be back on track with talking to authors since that is the theme of the season. But we just wanted to give you the current events and stay in touch with y'all. So everyone stay safe, stay quarantined. If that's what's happening in your neck of the woods, this podcast is produced by Lindsay Lindsay Collins, who is dropping all the knowledge here, but she's not on the microphone. So we sadly have to be the ones to commit it to you. She is the host of FNB Radio. If you guys want to check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasting, you can email us at freecookiespodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at freecookiespodcast on IG. Don't forget to follow KB's new book club, The Inky Phoenix, at The Inky Phoenix on Instagram. And also, thank you, Kofro123. Ooh! So glad you were back. We are so glad we are back. And if anyone else wants to rate and review us and comment, that's right. This is the part of the show where we... I will we... shout you out right here. And Caroline Shea, if you're listening, yes, the end of the $10,000 episode money is going to you. That's right. We're giving away $10,000 at the end of every episode, and Caroline Shea is the first recipient <laughs> of that $10,000 check. Paid in full Monopoly money. Look for it in. Love All you. Right. Thanks, Bye. y'all. Bye.